Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Fuma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Hey, everybody. Welcome to It Could Happen Here. I am Robert Evans, and this is the show where we talk about how everything's kind of falling apart and how we might put it back together again in a way that works better than it did before um, or do something different that is uh, even anyway, whatever. It's a show about the future and about the messed up present. Um, and as a result of that, one of the things we talk about a lot is self-sufficiency. We've had a number of episodes kind of covering the values of like replacing your lawn with food, guerrilla gardening, that sort of stuff. And one of the critiques we get is people saying, well, you know, that's never going to work on a large scale. It's never going to replace industrial agriculture or whatever. And that's perfectly true. But the 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 point we're going for here and why we encourage these kind of resilience building activities is because they do improve the ability of communities to resist when they need to resist and also provide opportunities by which people can reimagine their relationship to, for example, the food supply chain or reimagine their relationship to their community and the kind of things that communities provide for each other rather than having them shipped in by Amazon. Um, and when we start talking about that, when we start talking about improving community resiliency for things like you know, a general strike uh, or even potentially more radical stuff, 
one of the big issues that any community has to confront is not just food, but medicine. I'm, I do, and I'm sure a lot of other people have friends who cannot survive without medications that are very like reliant upon existing supply chains, um, and to some extent, even the stability of the government. You know, um, getting your insulin, getting your medication for whatever kind of disease you have that that needs constant medication. There's a bunch of different reasons why people are reliant upon the medical um, supply lines and upon the kind of pharmaceutical industry. And that's one of the big, when we talk about building more resilient communities, one of the big hurdles to jump. Well, today, my guest is someone who is working on bridging some of these problems. Um, his name is Michael Lawfer, and he is the founder of an organization called the Four Thieves Vinegar Collective. Uh, they are biohackers, um, and they are working on cracking certain pharmaceutical medications to allow individuals with resources that are generally available to people who are not rich uh, or pharmaceutical companies um, to produce life-saving medications. Um, the number one thing you would have heard of uh, from Four Thieves is the Epi Pencil, uh, which we'll talk about in a bit. But first, Michael, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks so much for having me. It's exciting to be able to chat and talk with you and all the people surrounding you who are trying to just unfuck things a little bit. Yeah, yeah, and I, I most of the conversation I want to have today is on the the unfucking of things variety. But I, I do think we should start with a little bit of technical talk first. Can you sure. give people an idea of what kind of medications you and other people in the collective have figured out how to produce, um, and what kind of resources an individual needs to be able to do some of this stuff? Sure. So. From a technical perspective, most of the things that we focus on are what's called small molecule chemistry. And to kind of describe that blanketly, if you can draw the molecule on a cocktail napkin, it probably qualifies as a small molecule. If it's one of these things that like, you know, if you look at the diagram for the molecule, it's a protein, it's got big ribbons that are colored and stuff. That's a, that's a biochem thing. And it's a whole different set of problems. Now the, Main foci that we've had have been surrounding access to abortion, access to HIV medications, access to hepatitis C medications, and access to reversal of drug overdose medications. So that's been sort of our main focus, but there have been a handful of others. The things that we tend to look for are where are there things that there's a great need and there's a huge barrier. And so you see those in those places a lot because the, the three main barriers that tend to pop up between somebody and access to the medication they need are either price or legality or lack of infrastructure. And typically the weirdness that comes up mostly surrounds price because of intellectual property laws and marginalization of people who suffer from particular ailments or seem to suffer predominantly from particular ailments. And so if you're, if you're poor and you're in a class of people that is seen as something not to be cared about because they're not a strong voter base, then the ability to move access away from those people and put in more barriers and raise prices becomes 
easier to defend. Um, so the first drug that we focused on was a, an anti-parasitic. Um, toxoplasmosis is a parasite that's pretty innocuous for most people. Yeah, it's Anybody the one can, you get from cats, right? Or is this not Gandhi? Yeah, okay, no, yeah. it is. It is the one you get from cats, and it's a really fascinating parasite too. It is, if you, yeah, if you if you ever dig <laughs> yeah. into the behavioral biology of it, it's a mm-hmm. really really fascinating parasite. Um, I probably have it. Um, yeah, I last, I have three cats. I definitely have it. <laughs> right, and, and so and so it's not a big deal for yeah. most people. But if you have a massively compromised immune system, especially with people with HIV or advanced stages of cancer, and that's why it was labeled as sort of a, you know. HIV drug. It's not. It's a, it's an antiparasitic, mm-hmm. but it's used almost exclusively by people who are in advanced stages of cancer, uh, people with fairly compromised immune systems from HIV or something else, and then pregnant women. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not that big a deal uh, if you have access to the medication. You can merely take it and eradicate it from the body. The difference was is that something that was a short course of treatment, you'd take, I think, four, um, yeah, four doses the first time around, and then one dose each day subsequently for something like 10 days. Um, and that's not a big deal when each dose, each pill was about $13.50, and then Martin Jacrelli jacked up the price to $750 a pill. Mm-hmm. And... So we're like, well, this is ridiculous. So that mm-hmm. was the first one that we went after. Then, of course, access to abortion drugs. Um, that's a big one that's pretty topical yeah. lately. We released a video, I don't know, maybe three months ago on how you can make your own abortion pills without too much fuss. This would be mifepristone, right? Uh, mifepristone and misoprostol. So yeah. you can do it with just misoprostol, or you can do it in combination. Mm-hmm. And when you do it with just the one, with just uh, miso, you have about an 85% chance of it working. And if you have both, it bumps it up to about 95. And what is the, like, what are, when you're doing this, and we'll talk a little bit about the hardware, but like, what is the reagent that you have for this? Because I, I know that's been a big part of some of the discussions is like, how do you get the things you make the medicines from, which is easier for some than it is for others. Sure. There are a couple different ways that you can go about that. The um, the interesting but more difficult way, of course, is to do the chemistry from scratch, mm-hmm. where, like you say, you get access to reagents, you do some chemistry, and you end up with the active pharmaceutical ingredient, which we lovingly refer to as the API, and then you package it somehow into a tablet or a pill or, a, um, or some other means of... Uh, ingress into the body. Um, the instructions that we distributed skip the difficult part because uh, misoprostol is an ulcer medication. Oh. And uh, so, for instance, if you have access to Mexico or are in Mexico, it's kind of not a big deal because as an ulcer medication, it's over the counter and you can just go in and say, Oh, you know, my grandmother can't get out of bed. She needs this ulcer medication. I I need just a little bit of it to get her through the weekend. Um, and then no problem. 
not so easy in places where it's a little more controlled like the US. However, one amazing trick when looking for medicines, access to medicines that are generally blocked from people that the existing power structure tries to disenfranchise from access is you look and see if it's similarly used for other classes of person or being that the infrastructure does care about. So interestingly, you look for ulcer medications, you say, well, like, well, who else has ulcers that, you know, people might think are important people. That doesn't really come up and there are other ulcer medications that are a little bit better. However, there are a lot of really wealthy people in the United States and really wealthy people tend to keep horses. And and horses, interestingly, um, 95% or something, or maybe more, uh, some uh, ungodly percentage of domesticated horses have ulcers. Um, Now, why that is, I'm not entirely clear about, but my own theory is that it has something to do with taking a gigantic wild animal and putting it into a very small box for most of its life. Yeah, it doesn't seem like the thing that horses evolved to do. (laughs) Yeah. So, so that said, people who are horse owners typically have to treat them constantly for ulcers. And Mm -hmm. the best thing for that is misoprostol. And so you can get uh, misoprostol powder in a tub from places that. Yeah. Feed store or something. Yeah. I go to a feed store every week. I'm sure I could buy a bucket of this shit. Probably. So it comes in tubs. And the other thing that's great about it coming in a tub is that it's already in with a buffer. Mm -hmm. Uh, Part of the thing about misoprostol is that the dosage is in micrograms. And that's very Mm -hmm. hard to weigh unless you have a really high precision scale. Even your good drug dealers generally don't have a scale that can do that. (laughs) Right. So, but the magic is, is this is in a tub with a bunch of inert powder and it's, it's already mixed up to be homogenous. And so what you can do is you can do a little bit of back-of-the-envelope uh, arithmetic, and you can measure out much larger quantities and know how much active ingredient you have, and then pack that into a tablet. Wow. Yeah. Um, I mean, that makes so much sense, and is also like, like the... Uh... <laughs> you have kind of the dark side and light side version. It's kind of the light side version of all of those people buying up ivermectin for, for nonsense. It's like, well, no, there's reasons to buy, you know, like ag, uh, uh, livestock medication, especially, um, I mean, I, I, I have a lot of friends who took fucking fish antibiotics back in the day, and this is kind of a much more, um, using it in a much more rigorous way to provide people with something that, can is getting it, it will be getting increasingly difficult to access in a lot of parts of the country. Um, yeah, and it's just one such the, a smart way of approaching it, I think. Yeah, and, and one of the things that becomes philosophically a bit sticky is when you end up talking about the importance of independent management of one's own health and decision making not coming from above. There's this difficult moment that I've had kind of having to cop to the reality that 
if you're building mechanisms to empower people to have access to make decisions about managing their own health, Mm -hmm. part of that entails realizing that that will also lead to a lot of people making what I might think are bad decisions, Mm -hmm. but that the important thing is that it doesn't matter what I think that people should not be controlled by other people. And if they make bad decisions, that sucks. And hopefully we can help that, but not, not lamenting the importance of, or or not, not backtracking, not having some sort of retrograde uh, about offering more access, even if people misuse that access to the miss manage their own health mismanagement of health happens no matter what right it happens constantly and people will ignore things that seem like they're bigger problems and don't get them addressed and so i have to sort of retreat into this idea that more access to more tools is Mm -hmm. better and that's just the way of it and yeah the the problem yeah I mean, the problem with ivermectin isn't the problem. The problem is not that people have access to ivermectin and so they're taking it in a way that is harmful to them. The problem is that people have been have have, have been blinded by disinformation and right. so are making a horrible healthcare decision. The yeah. the fact that it's, they have access good. to veterinary medication is fine. <laughs> right, exactly, and and it's and it's interesting that you say that because I have a friend at Doctors Without Borders and they are starting a couple of pretty strong programs to try and combat misinformation because mm-hmm. just from a uh, metric standpoint, they look for sort of like what's killing the greatest number of people mm-hmm. at the greatest rate in the worst way. And currently the thing that's killing the most people in the worst way at the greatest rate is misinformation. Yeah. And yeah. so, yeah, that's, that's and, really the great danger. And one of the things I find really interesting about kind of what y'all have been doing, because um, obviously the question of how to fight the misinformation in the medical sphere is a much larger conversation without simple answers. When it comes to a question like, oh, hey, this pharmaceutical company jacked up the price by, what, 750% for this necessary medication for people, a lot of people who have HIV, um, what do we, the solution to that is simple. You find a way for them to get it without paying hundreds and hundreds of dollars per dose. Um the question, some of the work y'all have done is with very uh, mass-needed products like the Mifepristone, like the EpiPencil, um, where there's large numbers of people who need it. But a lot of what I think, one of the things I think is really cool is y'all are also working on hacking medications that are very niche, like very, very few people have this particular disease. And so the medication is is costs as much as a fully loaded Toyota Tacoma, you know, in order to... Oh, and sometimes yeah. far worse than that, yeah. because of this Orphan Drug Act that got passed in the U.S. Mm-hmm. and equivalents that exist in other places, you have all of these allowances that are granted to people who invent, I put in air quotes, mm-hmm. um, because really they just purchase the rights to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, these these orphan drugs where when you talk about controls, it's kind of the most tragic incidence of that entirely because what's happening is you've got somebody who has a very rare disease and in many cases you have 
something that's the difference between somebody who just cannot function and they're dealing with their life kind of moment to moment. They're, they're mostly cared for. And if they have access to a particular medication, then they can go through life in a fairly normal sort of way where they, they don't need to be in assisted living, where they can do sort of basic things for themselves. And, and that, that seems so much more predatory. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's important, of course, you know, to look at things with that macro lens as well and say, what can, what can do a lot of good for a lot of people, but then the sort of micro ethical lens needs to come out from time to time and say, all right, well, here's something that only affects a few hundred thousand people across the world, but these are people who could just go through life normally if only they had access to a little bit of medicine. Yeah. And the only reason they don't is because of misplaced avarice or all, all avarice is misplaced because of yeah. avarice. <laughs> yeah. And you're, you're, you're providing individuals or a way for people to, to help individuals who have this problem and who can't, couldn't possibly afford this because they don't have healthcare or something, a way to deal with these illnesses. Um, well, and and to- oftentimes yeah. like even, even people who are insured don't yeah. get the medication that they need or don't get it at an affordable rate because it's not seen as critical. Yeah. Um, it's like, oh, well, there's a there's a solution that's not as good, but it's much less expensive. So that's mm-hmm. the only thing we're going to cover. And so, yeah. yeah. And you're saying, well, it should be your decision whether or not this is something you want to treat this way. And, and we're this is a way if you, you know, have access or this is a way for you to kind of, as you've been saying, like take your health care and your ability to get medication into your own hands and produce the things that you need without needing to beg an insurance company or GoFundMe $85,000 or whatever. Yeah, um, those GoFundMes break my heart so much. Yeah, it's Especially it's when people say, oh, look how great somebody mm-hmm. got the money that they needed. And I say, look, I am happy that people get health care, but yeah. this should be entirely unnecessary. And the fact that this comes up is is criminal. Yeah, we can we can as a species produce this shit for less than the cost of like a lamp, you know? Like why why don't why isn't this available? Um now I, I and that's what I think is kind of so powerful about what y'all are doing and is that so so often we kind of get stuck in this like the horror of how bad healthcare is, of how fucked up the pharmaceutical industry is. And then we get our relief from that in these stories of people like crowdfunding so they can get their medication. And what you're saying yeah. is, well, what's actually much more inspiring than that is people just making, finding ways to make what they need. Um, again, kind of the most po- popular, uh, popular is the wrong word, the most press y'all have received, I think, is for the EpiPencil, which is a, an EpiPen is a device that you take that is used when people are going into anaphylactic shock, which is when they have an allergic reaction that will kill them if untreated generally. Um, and it, you inject it into your muscles, um, or generally like an EpiPen does the injecting, you just kind of put it in place. Um, and it, it is a life-saving medication when people need it. It's the choice between that and death. Um, and they are very expensive. There is a company that owns the patent because of how the EpiPen actually does the injecting. The actual medicine is very cheap and very easy to make, but it's unbelievably expensive and people die as a result of lack to, lack of access. Um, and 
you've provided a way using both kind of this thing called a bio lab that people you've developed plans that people can build it for themselves in order to make this and also using a 3d printer you can make um a, an epi pencil which is a little less kind of a more analog version i think i guess you'd say uh no it's it's yeah. it's equivalent it's equivalent it works the same way the things that are different about it that um are critical the first one that you mentioned of course is that you can you can build it for a little over $30 US mm-hmm. and you can reload it for about $3 uh unlike the EpiPen which is a I think it's about 650 $50 yeah. for yeah um and that might be for a pair but even yeah, so it's two uh, yeah um but the other two critical differences are that EpiPens are single use so you can't test whether it's faulty or not until you use it. Yeah. And there have been a lot of failures. In fact, there was a big EpiPen recall a bunch of years ago, and there were just these tragic, tragic stories. Some guy had to watch his little kid die. He had, had a pair of EpiPens. The kid went into shock. He used it. The thing failed. He brought the other one. The other one failed. And they're in the air. And you can't land in 15 minutes. And the little kid died. Mm-hmm. It's just, and I'm sure there are dozens of dozens of stories like that that just happens to be one of the ones I know. So one of the things that's great about the Epi Pencil is because you're putting it together yourself, and it only takes four parts, you can test it. You can make sure that it works as many times as you need to, you mm-hmm. can dry run it with saline and just double check that it does what it's supposed to. Um, and so it's safer. So th- the fact that it's, you can control it yourself, you can reload it yeah. and you can test it. All of these things fix a lot of these immediate problems yeah. that, come with and it still has the benefit that everybody wants from the EpiPen, which is that it doesn't require um you know measurement or mm-hmm. like knowing how deep to press the needle before you depress the plunger all of that happens automatically and it happens very quickly um and yeah we as you say we got a lot of press for that because essentially a good timing we released that the same time that heather bresh was lying to congress about why they had raised the price on the EpiPens, and Um, and so it was in the public eye yeah yeah. and and that's that's a huge one uh being able to produce that because that is i mean there's a, a tremendous number of people who rely on uh, EpiPens, um and and i think the potential of that project uh is is staggering um and there's some there's some you know we when we talk about kind of the different people who are who are working on similar problems to you there's also a group of people who are working on um cracking insulin being able to produce insulin um yeah the open insulin project is an amazing group of people incredibly important yeah they're yeah they're working on Mm -hmm. probably the largest scale public health crisis. I mean, in terms of queries that we get, Mm -hmm. I think we get people asking about insulin more than anything else. And I always say, oh yeah, they're very, very bright people who are already working on this. Go talk to the Open Insulin. Um, and, And they're just amazing.
Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and two-door cinema club. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between award-winning mattress brand Lisa and home design favorite West Elm, the Natural Hybrid is the culmination of these two companies' shared values. Premium materials, meticulous craftsmanship, and sustainable practices. Made with natural latex, responsibly sourced natural natural wool, and environmentally safe foams, the Natural Hybrid elevates your sleep sanctuary, indulges your senses, and supports a greener tomorrow. Plus, when you purchase the Natural Hybrid, you're also helping fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Since 2015, Lisa has donated more than 40,000 mattresses to ensure children and families have a safe place to sleep. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. I, I, I want to move on because I want to talk about kind of the more um, uh, philosophical dimensions of some of this. But before we get into that, I, I'd like yeah. to... So, like, you know, one, one of the things you and I have been talking about a little bit behind the scenes is I am not a technically savvy person, but I am I want to try and uh, I'd like to be able to, like, produce an epi pencil. I want to, like, understand this at kind of and, – and potentially be able to contribute um, in a more direct sense, in part because I'm curious, like, how, how doable actually is this for – I consider myself a pretty normal person when it comes to, like, technical understanding, right? Like, I'm reasonably handy, but I'm not – I'm not a chemist. I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, I haven't really, I have no, I've no prior experience 3d printing or anything like that. What is, what is required in terms of financial investment and, and what is kind of your general estimate in terms of time to get 
up to you know a kind of a, 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 a the level where you can start uh, learning how to do some of this stuff. I think the barrier to entry is pretty low, depending on how you want to start. Uh, mm-hmm. As I said, there are different avenues to doing it. You can, of course, one of the, one of the greatest hacks. If if anybody listening to this doesn't pick up anything else, here's the best hack in terms of getting access to medication. You have a medication you don't have access to for whatever reason. Assuming it comes in a capsule form, you can merely go to a chemical supplier, purchase the active pharmaceutical ingredient, weigh it out, put it into a capsule, and you've made your medication. That's a very simple thing. You know, mm-hmm. that takes nothing more than being able to read a scale and scooping powder into little, you know, capsules. Uh, the next step up, there are things that you can do that are a little more involved. If you want to build an epi pencil, again, this is three or four parts, depending on how you count. You take a, a needle from one syringe needle set on, you put it onto a different syringe needle set, and then you put it into this auto injector that's designed for needle phobic diabetics. Uh, you load it with the epinephrine and you close it up and you're done. Um, then if you want to step into this a little bit further, if something is so barriered for whatever reason that you can't get the actual ingredient, then you might start messing around with our micro lab. The micro lab, I would say probably takes around a hundred dollars us to build. Um, it, but it's not super technical. Our latest version doesn't require any soldering. Everything snaps together, which is really nice. You can plug everything in. Um, all the wires are just screw terminals, which is really convenient. Um, and it takes some time and you do have to load some code, but we're looking to release a, a new set of documentation in the summer that'll be very, very stripped down of here's your bill of materials. You can order all of this stuff. Here's how you can put the disc image onto the SD card that you put in and you should start it and it'll wake up and work independently. Um, We had a video of our head hardware guy actually building the micro lab from just parts that were sitting on laid out on a table. And I think all told it took him about 45 minutes. Oh, wow. Maybe a little bit longer, but again, like granted, this guy's a hardware specialist and he, you know, designed it. So for somebody who's not done before, it might take an afternoon, but it's not, it's not a a prohibitively long or involved project that, you know, would take you weeks to put together or uh, any, specialized understanding of, uh, you know, uh, biomedical engineering or anything like that. Now, um, I, I kind of want to move at this point, cause I think that gives people an idea of what's actually necessary and they can go to y'all's website, um, or look up, you have plans on a GitHub, um, if they want to kind of look at what's, what's involved. And it's, um, some of it seems a little daunting to me, like lo- looking at the construction of the bio lab, but I'm, I, that, that's going to be a project that I'll be engaging in over the next couple of weeks. So we'll keep people updated on how I do there. Um, I want to move on to talk, Michael, about what you see as kind of the, um, I don't know, I, the, the, 
the potential from kind of a revolutionary perspective, from a perspective of actually building dual power of this project? And obviously you are in, I think, what would, would be called the early stages of this idea of kind of democratizing and decentralizing the production of life-saving medications. Um, although I guess you could argue in some ways it's kind of a, a return to more traditional attitudes about healthcare in a lot of ways. <laughs> Yeah, there is a cyclic nature there. Mm -hmm. And in the sort of Zen mind, beginner's mind, we like to think that revolution is always in its beginning stages, right? Mm -hmm. um, that to say, over the past decade, roughly, looking at trying to find ways to give people more independent access that doesn't require infrastructure to medicines and medical technologies the the hope really is to create a certain amount of cultural shift uh, i remember at one point a uh, a friend of mine who as a business school graduate asked me a very sort of like uh business school type question where he said how would you measure success of your project um and i said well we cease to exist as an organization. And he kind of had this moment of like, what do you mean? Like, well, well, we shouldn't be pushing this, right? The idea is that eventually the concept of managing your own health is sufficiently normalized that it's not something that has to be explained between people, but somebody says, Oh yeah, I just, I just did that up in my micro lab. Um, in the same way that when you look at the shift that happened between, oh, you know, the, the mid 80s and the mid 90s, where computers were this strange, scary thing that was, you know, were only accessible or usable by people who were very specialized to something that, you know, everybody knew about and everybody kind of had and everybody sort of used. Mm -hmm. And the same sort of thing that happened between the period of time, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 years ago and, and now with, uh, with 3D printing where like stereolithography and rapid prototyping was again, the specialized thing that a bunch of people who were essentially out of the machine tool industry had started to spearhead. And now you say 3D printing, everybody knows what it means. In the same sort of way, I'd very much like to see a cultural shift where when somebody is unwell, that when discussions between people happen, that instead of the, have you had that looked at, or you might instead hear from somebody saying, well, have you read up on that? Mm -hmm. You know, to see people, actually engaged in their own health and not going through this very typical process of outsourcing responsibility. Now that's not to say that like experts aren't good people with whom to consult, right? Yeah. We're not talking about replacing the idea of medical professionals who, who can help you understand what your health and diagnose and stuff like, yeah. But there is again, this drastic difference between going to a doctor and essentially just like throwing the problem on their desk and saying, fix it, call me when it's over 
versus going to a doctor and saying, hey, I'd like to talk about this. I'd like to know more about what's wrong here. And I'd like to discuss what the options are and what seems best. Um, That would be great on a lot of levels. And, And then these questions of access to medication then become even more relevant because when you're talking with a doctor and the doctor says, okay, well, we could try this therapy, but your insurance won't pay for it. It's $300,000. You can say, all right, well, let's just do a little thought experiment. And if that fell from a truck, what would I do with it? And then Mm -hmm. maybe you can go home and say, you know, I'll call you and let you know how it goes. I, I, that's, that's really my, my grand hope. And there are so many different ways that that can play out. In fact, I'll I'll tell you a hilarious story in regards to this, which was in in 2016, I guess it was when we presented it hope. Um, I called Martin Shkreli's cell phone from stage uh, (laughs) to try and ask him what he thought about what we were doing, given that I was handing his drug out for free. Um, and showing people how to make it. And he didn't answer the phone when I called him then, but he called me back a few hours later, which was really oh. hilarious. <laughs> we actually chatted for a while. And the guy's, I mean, a little detached from reality, but he's, mm-hmm. he's, he's no dummy. Um, and when I sort of described what we were trying to do with the micro lab, he had some interesting insights. And he said, yeah, you know, one way I can imagine that working really well is if somebody with a, a little more knowledge of pharmaceutical medicine were to maybe build one of these and serve a small community, I think that could be very efficient. And I was mm-hmm. like, that's a good thought, mm-hmm. you, you chiseling bastard. Um, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that, but, there's a degree yeah. to which that's that's kind of how I see the most realistic potential. This is not every individual making all of their medicine, but kind of like, you know, we had during the fires last year when when our local and state governments during the heat wave this year, like completely shat the bed. We had different mutual aid collectives do things like we are providing people with like, oh, it's a blizzard. We're providing people with firewood. We are providing people with cooling stations because of the heat. You know, we are providing people with, they've just flooded their houses. We have kits that have food and basic necessities so they can get through mutual aid collectives that are like, well, we are making, we specialize and we can produce this and this and this medication, like these three and we have, and here's the information you can find online about our process so you know that we know what we're doing. And if you need these things, you let us know and we we get them to you. And here's different ways in which people can volunteer if you want to help engage in this mutual aid process, even if you're not someone who's going to be doing a lot of the technical stuff. Well, we need people to go pick up parts or we need people to do this and you can help us here or, you know, I see yeah. a lot of All potential of that. for and that. I think, yeah. yeah, and I think in a similar way, right, a lot of that sort of thing is already happening mm-hmm. in other realms, right, where it's a sort of thing where you, you might be building something or you, you see some project on GitHub or whatever and some there are these STL files and you go, oh, gosh, well, I don't know how to do that. But, oh, right, XYZ down the street mm-hmm. has a 3D printer. I'll go ask her. She's really good at making these things. And you say, hey, look, I have this thing. Would this be difficult to print? And with their experience, they can kind of look at it and be like, uh, no, that, that shouldn't be too hard. Um, you know, I, I have some time this weekend. Maybe I can make that for you. And in the same way, 
if you say, hey, it looks like I, I seem to have this rare infection from mm-hmm. whatever, whatever, or I have this odd condition, um, I wanted to try this medication because it might be really helpful, but it's not legal in this country. Do you think you can put this together? Again, you know, you call somebody and whoever's on the other line says, oh, yeah, I, I have a micro lab. I, I can try and put a program together for that and see if I can make it for you. Yeah. That sort of thing, I think, is uh, a, a potentially really positive avenue for that sort of thing to proliferate. And again, eventually to have a cultural shift where the idea of medicine and medical technology not being something that is comes down from above from some authority, mm-hmm. but instead is something that's managed by people who are part of your community, who you already trust. I mean, that's why going to a doctor is so scary. They seem to be the arbiter of your fate. Mm-hmm. They're going to tell you whether you're well or not. And, and that is just the truth. Mm-hmm. And much better to have it where people are making up their own mind based on learning about their own health and consulting with people who can give them perspective. Um, yeah. And if there's more of that, and if it's closer to the person who's actually suffering, that I think will be on the whole much better. Yeah, it's this, uh, the, and this gets tangled up in a lot of the more toxic things we've seen this year, but it's this this understanding that with any given problem, if individuals trying to solve that problem have more autonomy, and part of autonomy is knowledge, that's nearly always better. Um, the problem, of course, is that like we we get into this situation we are now where some people take, I'm taking, some people, some people use, I want to uh, uh, take control of my healthcare to, you know, do stuff that's nonsense. And, and that brings us back to the question of like, yeah, you infer the quality of the information that you're getting is very important, right? Because if if your if you if the your research is some YouTube video that has convinced you that you need to, you know, take this this horse paste or something, then yeah, that's not good. But that doesn't change the fact that, like with food, like with with everything that you need to survive, the more of a role you have in understanding that, deciding what to do with that, understanding where it comes from and how it is produced. Um, not just like, not only is that, I think, more satisfying as a human, but it's it's also critical to to your well-being. Um, it's critical to like- well, On your, two levels, right? Yeah. On two levels, because not only, when your health is taken from you, Yeah it doesn't deprive you of life, but it deprives you of participating in any of the acts that make life meaningful. Yeah. And part of that key thing that makes life meaningful is having a participatory role in the things that decide the trajectory of your life. And so when you go to the lengths of managing your own health two things happen. First off, your health improves, assuming you've made good decisions and get lucky. Yeah. But second, you're also having a participatory role in your life. And that makes life more meaningful. And it, 
beyond just kind of the self-actualization benefits, from, from a perspective of actually enabling people to participate in the move for radical change in our society, one necessary element of that to any of the kind of things that we need is a belief in your own agency and power. Um, and also an, a freedom from the kind of fear that comes from feeling helpless. And there is, I think, probably no feeling worse in the world than feeling completely helpless about a treatable medical problem. Um, I mean, it's one thing. I just went through Very this with true. my mom. When, when you get a disease where there's just nothing that science can do, right? Where like, yeah, you've got this cancer and there there ain't shit anybody has for you, you know? That's one kind of horrible, but... I think it's a lot less terrible than you I, – I, I have this thing that we can deal with, but I either can't afford it or I don't know that I'll be able to afford it. I had a horrible – I lost my job and my health care in 2017, and so did um, a person who was on my health care with me that I love very much. And I got this you know, hired here in health care a couple of years later, and it happened that a month before the, the I started my health care at this new job – this person who was on my healthcare with me um, got diagnosed with a brain tumor, and thankfully not a cancerous one, but a one that they had to take medication for that would have been would have bankrupted us, you know, without mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. without insurance. And yeah. thankfully, it worked out fine. The timing worked out okay. But there's not a week that goes by that I don't. And it it it's it's it it is something that makes you less willing to take risks, less willing to participate in in things that because. Oh, wow. You have in the back of your head. Well, I have to, I have to keep this job. I have to keep this insurance. I have to. I, oh I, yes, yeah. Uh, that and, that and is. That, that's another yeah. thing that I find so heartbreaking. There's so many people that I've I've met totally outside of my activism mm -hmm. who lament about working a job that they hate, and I say, "Gosh, well, you know, I mean, you mm -hmm. consider just bailing on it and." looking for something else and trying something else. And, and they have this total paralysis of saying, but if I quit my job, I won't have healthcare. Mm -hmm. and, and, and mind you, like these were people who were incredibly healthy. These mm -hmm. were not people who had any regular visits to healthcare. They're just scared that if something comes up, they won't yeah. be able to handle it. And it's it's a perfectly well-grounded fear. But as you point out, what this does is it works as this sort of shadow oppressive mechanism to keep people from exploring, trying things, as you say, taking risks or, or just doing things that, that don't involve a an optimization mm -hmm toward a stable state of maybe just like, yeah, maybe I'll start a small business and yeah, it probably will fail, but that'll be a co cool adventure. And most people, you know, so many people, maybe not most, but many, many people um, get just terrified into this mm -hmm. state of inertial paralysis. Yeah. And it contributes to people being afraid to take to the street to pro protest the police because maybe they get arrested and maybe they get fired and then, you know, maybe their kid can't afford their – like there's a thousand ways. I think honestly the fear of losing your health care is in some ways as great a greater counter-revolutionary force than any law enforcement agency could hope to be because the fear is so much more immediate to so many people. 
Nobody talks about that. Yeah. And thank you so much for mentioning it because it's something that like oftentimes I try to bring up when I'm discussing things in public for it. And, and oftentimes people kind of raise an eyebrow at me and be like, what's, what's the big deal? And I'm like, no, no, no. Like if you look two layers deep, mm-hmm. there's something that's really working against people being able to exercise protest. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's this really silent, terrifying force that seems to underlie everything. Yeah. And if you could alleviate that, if it could get to the point where people are like, yeah, the hell with it, you know, I don't, I don't need a job to take care of me. Yeah. Then all of a sudden, so many possibilities just blossom in the mind. Yeah. If you have, like, say if you're a parent who has a child with, you know, who, who's insulin dependent, uh, there's not a, a lot of difference in my mind between the fact that between someone holding a gun to your head and your boss being able to fire you and take away your your kid's access to that insulin. There's not a tremendous moral difference to me. Um, oh, there's not the individual a moral boss, difference. Sure, I'd say getting yeah. a gun to your head is actually more likely to survive that. You know, yeah, it's a lot yeah. safer. It's less inevitable. You could talk your way out of that. And yeah, I mean, there's whatever, but there are any number of things that might go wrong there, but if somebody takes away your insulin, that's the end of the story. Yeah. I I guess the more salient point than the comparison is just, they're both acts of violence in in every way that's meaningful. I think they're both acts of violence. Well, and one way that when I rail against intellectual property as a concept and intellectual property law, The example that I give is I say, if somebody were dying and you knew how to save them, would you ever not tell them how and just watch them die? Say, oh, no, that idea belongs to me and I'm not going to share unless you pay me. Like no human being that I think I've ever heard of would do that. Yeah. And yet this happens every day because we've sort of carried these questions of copyright into patent. Yeah. And despite the fact that they're hundreds of years old and not applicable anymore, um, assuming they were ever applicable and people just die because people say, Oh, well, we can make more money if we do it this way. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Tired of restless nights? Meet Lisa, the sleep experts. <sighs> Here at Lisa, we know that good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. That's why their mattresses are made for exceptional comfort and support, catering to every sleep need. Check out Lisa's Sapira Hybrid Mattress, named best hybrid mattress five years running. Sleep hot? The Chill Collection is built with cool-to-the-touch top fabric and layers of high-density comfort foams, all intended to remove excess body heat while maximizing comfort. With Lisa, getting a new mattress has never been easier. Delivery is free, and you have 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. Don't spend another night dreaming of better sleep. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's l-e-e-s-a.com forward slash iHeart. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. There's a fascinating thing going on there drill into that idea because I suspect there are a lot of people who have who are 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 integral in propping up this system both of kind of medical intellectual property and of just like the pharmaceutical industry the way that it works people in politics huge numbers of people who are integral in some facet of keeping that going who also were they to see an individual in immediate medical distress would never think of like try getting their debit card number or whatever like asking them for would would without thinking attempt because that's what people do and it's i mean this is where we get into kind of some of these more philosophical anarchist ideas about what hierarchy does and what these structures do because structures enable people to participate in evil that they never would as an individual um yeah there's this easy route that that but the many easy routes that pop up mm-hmm. that allow people or force, I should say, force people to be displaced from their humanity in that sort of way where, yes, of course, you you help somebody up off of subway tracks if they've fallen. Yes, of course, if somebody were drowning, you drag them out and save them. And And yet, just because it's a degree removed and it's mediated by an agency, suddenly it's so easy to forget and ignore and be sort of complicit in. Yeah. And I, I just to go back around to what Four Thieves is doing and what y'all are doing, it's one of the few projects going on right now that fits what my idealistic 19 year old brain thought the internet would be 16, 15. Like when I, when it was, when things were newer and a little less like, Oh, this is like one of these <laughs> days. Well, this kind of shit's going to happen. Um, yeah. And that is, I think I mean, that's, that's not without value from again, a revolutionary perspective. The fact that it is pretty rad 
you know? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I, I will not deny the fact that it feels good. You know, yeah. there, I, I think that, uh, I think that we all grew up with that sort of hope and belief yeah. that we were going to open these new doors and there were going to be these new possibilities and things that we had been reading about in science fiction were going to become real. And, and there's, there's a great satisfaction in not just, witnessing your childhood dreams become realities but actually you know having a hand in it uh it's mm-hmm. there's there's something quite satisfying about that i will yeah i i will admit <laughs> well i think that's a pretty good point to close out on today i don't need to take up um too much more of your time right now michael but but as i i told people i'm going to be i'm going to be trying to get into some of this because i find it just b- both fascinating and incredibly hopeful um in a world where it seems like uh, there are constantly forces conspiring to strip people of their ability to take control of critical aspects of their lives. You and your your colleagues in this are trying to give people opportunities to take some some power back for themselves, and I I just think that's I think it's pretty dope. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, and to your listeners, if there are people out there who like what we're doing, you want to support the project, please go find somebody who needs your help but doesn't deserve it and then go help them anyway. Yeah, yeah, that's always a good thing to do. Um, Michael, anything else, any like uh, uh, thing else you want to kind of put, this is normally the section where people plug websites or projects or anything. You've got anything in particular you want to throw out there right now? Uh, sure. We're, we're hoping to do a bunch of big releases in the summer. Um, mm-hmm. So look for those. In the meantime, we're always looking for help. So if you're out there and you'd like to be assisted in the project, uh, please get in touch. There's the contact us page in the website. And by the way, this do not have to be a technical person. We're looking for currently, we're looking for writers. We have a lot of documentation that we need to do. So if you're out there and you have, you know, background in, in, language then that would be great if if you're somebody who feels that you're entirely without skills please get in touch we have any number of endless small tasks that just need to be taken care of because we don't have enough people so if you'd like to participate we'd love to have you please get in touch and in the meantime keep each other healthy keep each other safe thank you so much michael thanks so much for having me It Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com slash sources. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. With every CBD product claiming to do something different, it's nearly impossible to decide what's best for you. Lazarus Naturals pioneered the farm-to-front-door model of transparency where they handle each step of the production process to ensure quality, potency, and consistency. Scannable labels allow you to see the test results of your hemp batch so you can be confident in the safety and quality. Visit LazarusNaturals.com today. Lazarus Naturals, committed to improving your life as well as the world around you. Not available in Idaho, Iowa, or South Dakota. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.